0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. Once again, my name is Rich, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. I'm the other one, the not nearly as bearded one. Um, Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I know it's just a few days before we enter into 2019, which feels so crazy. Um, And I just want you to know uh, it means a ton that you would choose to be here. Um, If you're like me and my family, you're probably tired you probably have a long list of things that you would need to be doing right now, that you're not doing. You are looking at a recycling bin of piles that you still haven't brought out because you've making excuses because it's been raining, and you don't want to take it out there, and you have things to do and food to cook. you have celebrations to plan, football to watch. you name it. Um, thank you. In the midst of all that, choosing to come here. Um, Those of you who are listening online through our live feed, thank you for doing that as well. Today, we are in the final week of our 2018 Advent Sermon Series. And over the last five or six years, we have referred to this as all things new. And it's the perfect way of closing out the Advent season and entering into the new year. The question is, why? Well, Because for the last four weeks, we've been making space to prepare to engage, to remember, and to anticipate the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God, in the form of a baby as told in the scriptures. This event that we've been making space to remember and to celebrate is this event that has changed our entire world. And last Monday, we got to have not one but two opportunities to celebrate that with our Christmas Eve services, celebrating what we've been waiting for, the arrival of, of Emmanuel, God with us. And with this arrival, we now have the one life that is at the center of all that we do, the one life that changes everything, the one life that brings with it the promise of making all things new, Jesus. And so this Advent season as a church, we have been making space to think about faith practices and how they can help us better walk in our day-to-day life engaged with God, better represent Jesus in all that we do. And these practices have included a lot of different things to help us engage with Jesus, including things like prayer and action, solitude and community, fasting and feasting, as well as practicing things like staying more connected with God by reading the scriptures, um, being generous and content, not comparing being grateful, and just being more aware of the ever-faithful presence of God and his spirit overflowing out of us at all times. And the goal with each and every one of these practices has been the same, to more fully experience something of the absolute abundance and the limitless goodness of God in our life, constantly overflowing out of us, in a way that's kind of outward, that it causes us, we can't contain it, and we want to share it with others. That's the goal. And so today, as we close out the series, we're going to be looking at the effects of what has now arrived in Jesus, in the world, and how it affects us individually and even as a church. So before we get started, though, let me just open our time up with some prayer. Father, Son, Spirit, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you have arrived, that the stuff we've been longing for, the arrival we've been waiting for, it's here in our very midst. It's something we can celebrate. And so, Jesus, be with us. Meet with us. Help us to hear from you in fresh new ways again this morning. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, quick survey. Raise your hand. How many of you practice coming up with some form of New Year's resolution every year? Okay, one person. Two people. Awesome. Three, four. A couple of you. Maybe that's because you're like the rest of the world, which has found that uh, the majority of people who do national surveys say that the majority of the people who come up with New Year's resolutions fail to accomplish them before the end of January and 90% of them never finish them or accomplish them throughout the year. So why do we do this, right? Which obviously a number of you have asked this question and a lot of you have said, I'm not doing this. We do this because the idea of new sounds great. New sounds good. It sounds like potential. It sounds like opportunity, Right, And that sounds cool, until you think about it too much. And then new sounds like change. And new sounds like unknown. And new sounds like uncomfortable. And no one wants that. But if you remember, just a couple months ago, we went through an entire sermon series on change, and we learned that actually the way we're designed by God is to be changing, to be transformed, to be made new all the time. We later then, after that, went through a sermon series called Simplify, in which we were engaging this reality of change and applying it to the reality that there's so much of our life that we've overcomplicated, and God invites us to change and simplify those areas in our life. Last week, we talked about this idea that in Jesus' birth comes this arrival of the ability to experience a life that is overflowing rather than one that is constantly overwhelmed. And let's face it. We feel this sense of overwhelming kind of ugh about life all the time because life is not as it should be, right? We want it to be different. And the reason why that's the case is because humanity has for so long been living in such a way that's driven by enough, comparing, complaining, we're discontent, greed, we're always in this mode of thinking that we know what's best for ourselves and that we can do it alone. And as a result, we're overwhelmed and we're tired and we all come to the same place. We want things to be different and we want things to change. what happens is every single year then even with this sense we end up putting our hope and our peace and our joy and our love into things that always fail us and it's overwhelming it's exhausting but this is why the arrival of Jesus is so important because with the arrival of Jesus we are brought something very different because with now God with us We are now able to experience the true gift of hope because we have the one person that is worth putting our hope in, the only person worth putting our hope in. We have the gift of true peace that surpasses all understanding. We have now the gift of true joy that goes beyond situations and circumstances, and we can now, in Jesus, forever experience the true gift of unconditional love and grace that's overflowing out of us, It can only come from Jesus, and that has arrived. But the truth is, to experience any of this, which is sounding awesome, it's going to mean we need to change. We have to be made new. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to practice living out this faith and practice sharing it with others. So with that, this year, I want to help us make some space to remember what God does in making all things new. And then with it, I want us to have some space to ponder some of this, apply it to our lives, but also think about it with regards to our church. At the break, Greg mentioned there was these connection cards at each one of your seats. I'd recommend pulling it out. If you got a pen, you might want to turn it over because I'm going to give us some space to reflect, some questions to think about, You might want a place to jot those down if you want. That's there for you. Um, But I want us to be thinking about this because we don't have to fear change, right? With 2019, there's lots of questions about what's ahead of us. There's a lot of unknown, and we don't have to fear that because we now have real hope. We have real peace. We have real joy. We have real love in Jesus, the promised Messiah who has arrived, and as a result, we're never alone. Because the very Spirit of God empowering us is now here giving us life. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to follow along. We're going to be looking at various verses. But the first one we're looking at today comes from 2nd Corinthians chapter 1. And this is actually the messages translation. So feel free just to see it on the board. But I love how it says this. It says this Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. So today as we think about God making all things new, what can we expect? What does that even mean? And luckily, the scriptures are full of all different kinds of stories and examples that we can see in how God does make all things new for his glory, for his people. And so what we're going to do today is look at just a couple of those, think about what it looks like for each and every one of us, and also think about it as a church. So with that, the first way I see us seeing God make all things new is that God restores. And I love God most for his ability to restore. He restores us to a right relationship with him through the gift of forgiveness and grace shown at the work of the cross. He is able to restore our earthly relationships, and he can even restore days and years that have been lost in the effects of sin. It's amazing which in my opinion has to be one of the greatest evidences of God's extravagant nature of mercy. Not only can he renew our life and redeem our future, our future, but he can also redeem our past. That part that we see so badly and we want to never think about, God can redeem that as well. So now that God is with us, our hope rests in the promise that Christ will come back. And one day make all things new. And so in the scriptures, we see God's power of restoration countless times. For example, in Genesis chapter 47, when Jacob was finally reunited with his son Joseph, he described the grief-filled days of his life as few and evil. Imagine that. Those are the two words you describe life. But in his last days, through God's mercy, Jacob was able to look back on his life and see that God had been his shepherd all along. That he had been redeemed from the evil that once marked his life. I love that. If you remember the story of Ruth, we see God take a family whose name was facing extinction and not only restore them to a secure future, but knit them into the grand story of redemption by placing them in the jesus's family line it's amazing in the new testament we see jesus our perfect example live a ministry of restoration he restores sight to the blind the ability to walk to the crippled hearing to the deaf a new clean skin to the disease and in every single one of these situations where god comes in he's not just healing a condition he's restoring life giving security and hope to broken people. So God restores. And so, with that, a couple questions for us to ponder. And again, just you could jot these down, you could just think about it. But what has God restored in you? When you think of your life and when you think of your story, what has God restored in you? It could be time, it could be certain relationships, or how you view part of or understand your story what has God restored in you and beyond that in what ways or areas of your life are you hoping to experience restoration through Christ or maybe a different way of saying that what needs to be restored in you through Christ as you enter into 2019 this is a very different question than how many pounds do you think you need to lose or how much more exercise do you need to incorporate into your life I'm asking you to think about what ways God has restored you and what areas of your life do you need restoration? Do you want Christ to come in and restore you? Just take a moment. I'll give you a little quiet. Think about that. You could jot your thoughts down if you would like. What needs to be restored in you? Now, the second thing we see God does in making all things new is that God restores. Sorry, renames. Second one there, he renames. And when we look at the scriptures, we see that naming uh, people is a very important thing. It's very significant in the scriptures. Throughout the Bible, people are introduced to us by name and by the meaning of of their names. So, for example, Eve was the mother of all the living. Or Isaac was laughter. Or Samuel was asked of God. And, and what's even more significant is that the renaming of people in Scripture that happens. When the, God gives someone a new name, it always was a sign of a renewed purpose, a redeemed life, and a renewed identity. So, for example, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, to signify his promise to make him father of many. We see that in Genesis 17, 5. In Hosea chapters 1 and 2, God changed the name of Hosea's children from two of the worst names in the world. One, no mercy, there's a great name for your child, or two, not my people. That was the kids' names. And God changes their names to my loved one and my people to symbolize the love for Israel and his plan to redeem her from idolatry. We see in the New Testament, Simon became Peter, Saul becomes Paul, and that happens when they became Jesus' disciples. They received new identities in Christ as they abandoned the life they were living by the flesh. Now, obviously when we become Christ followers, we don't change our names. but we certainly receive new identities. My name, for example, is Richard, and it happens to be this old British name that means brave or powerful ruler. My middle name is Edward, which is this old English name which means guardian of wealth and fortune. And my last name, Sclefani, is tied to the area in Sicily where my family is from, which is this town called Shaka, which is this little uh, fishing port town on the south kind of east side of Sicily. And Sclofani literally means little boat. <laughs> awesome. Now, uh, the truth is, if you think about it, the irony, because of my sins, my story on my own, I'm not brave. Uh, I'm very rarely described as powerful. I have very little fortune to guard. And little, yes, I may get described like that. Boat, not so much. I don't even know how to swim. So my name does not describe me very well, right? But here's the thing. Because my relationship with Jesus, I no longer live by my own power. I'm filled to overflowing, which we talked about last week, with the very Holy Spirit of God, the breath of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. According to First Timothy uh, or Second Timothy, one seven, it says this: For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So because of Jesus, I'm now adopted into the family of God. And with it, I also have this heavenly inheritance that's beyond comprehension. So although my literal name doesn't change, in Christ, my identity is made new by the power of the Spirit. So now I'm able to become more fully all that I was designed to be. So by the power of the Spirit in me, I can be brave in my leadership. I can have power because of God using me in these opportunities to teach, to pastor, to counsel, I can guard all that God has trusted me with, including stewarding a church. All the while being a little boat. Just kidding. I don't know how that one works, so I'm not going to try. I still don't know how to swim. But I have hope. As we look at the new year, Entering 2019, we can trust and hope in our new identity in Christ. We can know that no matter how we may fail, God's mercies are new every morning. Lamentation says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God has made me worthy of my name and now calls me his own in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you've been given a new name and a new identity that you can live in, not by yourself, but by the power of God. So with that, as we think about being renamed, I wonder, are you living according to your new name and your new identity, your renewed purpose? How might God be renaming you, in a sense, and giving you a renewed vision as a result? As you think about 2019, don't think about calories or any of those kinds of things. How is God giving you a new purpose, a new renewed vision as you think about who you are in your identity in Christ? How might you step into 2019 with Christ present in your life as a result? So again, I invite you just to take a moment to think about that. Maybe jot down some thoughts. You don't have to have this all figured out yet. But there's another question to be thinking about with regards to God making all things new, God restoring us, and God renaming us. Now, there's a third way. There's lots of ways, but the third one and the final one we're going to look at today of ways that God makes all things new is that God resurrects. God resurrects. God makes dead things alive again. Literally. Has the power over death in every sense. And God demonstrated that to us when he raised Jesus from the grave. Scripture says that as believers, we have the same power dwelling in us, constantly overflowing out of us. It's what's giving us life. Scripture says it this way in Romans eight eleven. And if the spirit of whom uh, raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I don't know about you, but I can get easily discouraged, easily, when I think about all the times I've failed, all the ways I've given into temptation, even in this last week. And it makes the idea of fighting this battle again as I enter into a new year and the challenges that come, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I'm tired of it. It's like trying to breathe life into something that has long since been dead. It's a reminder, though, that in order for us to exist, we need God. We need God to live. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This truth that I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me gives me hope. Because it's not me doing it. It's Christ in me and i desperately need that and so if you tend to be like me uh you forget this all the time you keep finding yourself trying to do this on your own and it's exhausting all you have to do is stop and take a breath you just pause and you take a breath you breathe Because you are literally being resurrected at every second, at every breath, with the Spirit of God giving you life. You are being filled to overflowing with the breath of God coming out of you at all times. Without it, you would be dead. You couldn't do it. And so pausing and taking a breath helps us remember our need for God, the Spirit to live in us, to resurrect us constantly by the grace of God with renewed purpose. And we see this in the story of creation, God breathing life into our world. We see it in the story we looked at last week where there was this valley of these dry bones and the spirit comes and brings life to all these dead bones. We see it in the story of Lazarus being brought back to life. And now with the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us, we have Jesus. The resurrection and the life the living word, the exact representation of God, the resurrected king, the way, the truth, the life. We have the promised Messiah and the yes of God so that we can trust God's resurrecting power in us, making us new, giving us new life with new power and purpose. God resurrects. So with that and with regards to our story, do you trust in God's power to resurrect, to bring new life to dead things? Are you living in the truth that God brings new life to your souls each and every moment? Or are you living defeated in your sin and shame? You don't need to. God no longer counts your sin against you. Other question, what areas of your life Do you want God to resurrect in you as you enter into 2019? Again, just take a moment and think about what's been resurrected in you. What needs to be resurrected in you as we step into this new year? And as you do, again, I think it's very important for us to make space to think about this for ourselves, as individuals, maybe even as a family, But I also think it's important for us to be thinking about this with regards to our church. So, as one of your co lead pastors here, I want to share a couple thoughts of how I see God making all things new here at One Life. And, And so, with the first section, what needs to be restored here at One Life? These are just my thoughts. But I think one of the areas that needs restoration here at One Life is our confidence in our testimonies, in our stories. Not just our salvation stories, which we need to be prepared to tell at all times, but the stories of God at work in our day-to-day life. Honestly, how often do we talk about that, let alone with other people? God doing something in our day-to-day and whether we're sharing that with people. Because if we are putting into practice our faith, if we're doing these things we've been talking about for the last four weeks, practicing our faith, sharing our faith, being more engaged with God in our day-to-day, more aware of the presence, the faithful presence of the Holy Spirit with us, we should have stories of God's provision and God's protection, stories of healing, stories of answered prayer, stories of visions, moments of awe, things that we're learning, services we're doing, loving our neighbor. We should have stories overflowing out of us and we should be sharing them with people. And I actually believe we all have these stories. Just a couple weeks ago, Greg and I had this amazing opportunity. We were contacted by a guy doing an article uh, on Wedgewood asking the question, do uh, the faith communities in this neighborhood have any effect on the community. Or another way to put it, if you were to take all the faith communities out of the neighborhood, would anybody know? And we got to sit and be interviewed with this guy. It was supposed to be about 20 minutes. ended up going over an hour. Where Greg and I just got to share testimony of the way we see God at work in and through this neighborhood and the opportunities our churches had to serve. And Greg and I left that opportunity so jazzed. I can't even, like, we were, like, ready to destroy things, which it doesn't make any sense when you're excited. But it was just like, oh, so exciting. Uh, and what was so exciting about it is that this person, who has zero connection to our church, was also excited. Because they learned, they got to see that God was working in our neighborhood. People need that. We need to hear it. And so I actually believe we all have these stories, but I think God wants to restore in us confidence to tell it. right? In our day-to-day life, even if it feels like a little thing, we need to be talking about what God is doing and have confidence in our ability because what we need to do for people is we need to point out to people where God is working to those people who aren't good at seeing God at work. right? People want to know God is at work, and those of us who can see it, we need to be sharing those stories to point it out to people. And so I'd ask you to keep this in your prayers, that we would become a church that is more confident in our storytelling and pointing out God at work around us. Now, the second area, what needs to be renamed? And some of you have been at this church for a long time. Don't worry, we're not changing our name again. Uh, It's like, no, God, please don't change the name. Uh, No actually believe the name we have right now is very much given to us by God. The vision and and the motivation that comes out of this name is absolutely from God, so I don't believe that needs to change. But the question is, as a church, are we living out what our name means? Is our identity match our name and vision? And I hope that you can see on there, I'd say, overall, I'd say yes actually believe we do a good job at keeping the one life of Jesus at the center of all that we do, whether it's our teaching, our prayer, our worship, our reasons for serving. I think overall we do a really good job of Jesus being at the center the one life in all that we do. I actually think we do a pretty great job at community as well. We've established very strong ministries that are caring for and serving our community. We got to testify with this guy our Magnuson Park Dinner Church, amazing, our One Life Tutoring Program, the Mixed Youth Cooperative, Kids Life, our partnerships with the Hunger Intervention Program, North Helpline, the Wedgwood Community Council, not to mention just the idea of allowing this building to be a resource to community and not just this empty space that sits dormant all week. That being said, I think we also do a good job at being the church, how we worship, how we learn and grow together, how we invite and make people welcome, how we listen, how we study. I think being the church is something we do pretty good at as well. But I actually believe there's a lot more for us to grow in with these areas. I believe that God really is going to do something new and more and exciting as we live more fully into our name. I actually believe, and I put that, I think, on the slide, that our God-given name and vision has far more for us to live into and experience than we currently are experiencing. And I think God wants us to live fully into who we are as a church. And I'd again ask you to pray for that. Now, last area. What needs to be resurrected? I think God wants to do some resurrecting in this church, and I think particularly with regards to our focus on prayer, I think, our focus on the empowering of the Holy Spirit and our outward focus. That doesn't mean these are the only ones, but these are the ones I feel very strongly about. And to be very clear, I'm not saying that these areas have been dead in our church, and so they need to come back to life. What I am saying, though, is that I believe God wants to bring new life to these areas. That I believe God wants to breathe new energy and new focus into them. And in doing so, I believe God has really exciting things in store for us as a church as we start to do that. And so again, obviously, I'm asking you to pray for something, that being that we become strong in our prayer. I'm asking you to pray that we would be more engaged with the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day life. Um, I think God wants to do some amazing things, and this is an area with our church that he wants to resurrect and bring new life. now again keep that in your prayers as we think about 2018 and beginning uh, 2019 with what we've talked about as we end I want to invite us just to commit rather than losing this pounds doing this much exercise you name it what I want us to feel invited into is just committing uh, to hope in what it's arrived. Putting our hope into the God that is now here with us. Putting our hope in the God that does make all things new. Remembering that God restores and that God renames and that God resurrects. And that as we enter into this new year, it wouldn't feel daunting, it wouldn't feel overwhelming, it wouldn't feel fearful because there's an unknown. But that our prayer would be that we can trust That God is sovereign over the new. That God is present in whatever that new is. Because the truth is there's going to be new trials, right? There's going to be new failures. There's going to be new experiences, new understandings, new learnings, new victories, new blessings. But because of the arrival of Jesus that we have celebrated in Advent, we can enter into whatever comes knowing that God is with us. Emmanuel is here. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is with us, overflowing out of us, allowing us to experience true hope, peace, joy, and love, empowered not by our own power, but by the Spirit, so we can enter whatever comes our way. I'll close with this verse from 2 Corinthians. It says this, I hope this is a prayer for us as a church. It says, so we're not giving up, How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. I love that. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Hope that gives you hope as you step into 2019. As you do think about that. I would like to invite our prayer team and our worship team to come forward. Um, They're going to give us a little more space to ponder what we've talked about. So if you would like to jot some thoughts down, that would be great. Um, They're going to play instrumentally just for a few moments to help us ponder. And during that time, feel free to use that space however you would like. If you want to pray, you can do that. If you need to confess, if you need to own, if you need to give thanks to be filled or to receive, whatever it is you need to do during that space, feel free to do so. And I want to note the prayer teams over here in the corner, they would be honored to pray for and with you for any reason. So if you have any prayer requests especially as you're thinking about 2019, feel free to take advantage of that during this time. I'm going to close us, though, in our time with a prayer, kind of a blessing over all of us, and then the worship team's going to play, and then we'll move on and sing one last song of response. But let's pray, and I'll pray this over us. God of hope, who brought love into this world, be the love that dwells between us. God of hope, who brought peace into this world, be the peace that dwells between us. God of hope, who brought joy into this world, be the joy that dwells between us. God of hope, the rock we stand upon, be the center, the focus of our lives, always and forever, especially as we step into 2019. We pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.